0: Welcome to Grace Community Church, everybody. My name is John Keeler. I'm one of the pastors on staff. We're glad to have everybody worshiping with us today. And um, I have to say, I, I don't think I've been so happy for a school year to start as, as I am today for a couple reasons. One, it's a semi-normal school year. So far, my kids are all going to school five days a week. Um, so we're thankful for that. For those of you in Frederick County... Um, You know, we we just started this past Wednesday. But also, as I look across, you know, we're starting to fill up the seats again. People are done vacation time. So hopefully, we're going to start to regularly see everybody. Um, And as Sharon mentioned, you know, it's a great time to be here, Grace. Um, You know, and I first and and foremost want to just thank everyone. Um, You know, looking back, we're at 18 months, almost two years, um, weathering this storm, And I want to thank everyone who's faithfully come here, um, who's faithfully connected with us, keeping this community of believers together, and also those who have faithfully given, um, those that are serving constantly. If you can imagine going from a church of about 600 on a Sunday to less than 300 on a Sunday, um, it takes a lot to keep things moving. Um, You still need a lot of folks in children's ministry, youth ministry, um, greeting teams, and so forth. And so thank you. And if, and if you aren't engaged, um, we have a WhatsApp uh, discussion next week, which we can um, talk to you after the service about ways to get plugged in. Um, but we're really excited for those that are here, and, and thank you. And we have a lot of great uh, things in motion. I'm really excited. Um, just out of curiosity, how, how many people have been here since this building here. The the worship center was built. Okay, so there's a good number of you, and thank you for being loyal and sticking with us through the years. We're just about 20 years since it was built, um, and there's been a lot of vacant space all on that side, upstairs and downstairs that hasn't been been touched. So, um, you know, great story about God's uh, provision um, through your generosity, through um, just the stewardship of our staff and our elders, we have um, we have really been blessed by God through the most difficult times, and we're in a position where we've we've had to take away some space. Um, you know, if you think about the the um, trailers, everybody loved those, but we had to get rid of. We had to we had to kindly pass them on to someone else who could use them. Um, we've renovated this worship center, so we don't have um, as much space for activities so really the Lord's been setting us up um, to continue discipling um, our families uh, as we start to finish that space so that's a preview and you can ask all your questions and get a lot more updates after the service this week and next Um, but but this week I I have the pleasure of continuing on in uh, Romans we're gonna talk about Romans 13 Um, and personally Romans is my favorite book of the Bible Um, I don't know if you're allowed to say that, but I mean, it's to me it touches my life in so many ways. I could I've camped out in Romans for years, um, studying it personally. Um, But before we start our discussion, I want to I want to just explain a quick story. It's a tragic story that many might actually know, um, but it was a tragic but avoidable accident with JFK Jr. I don't know if anybody knows the story, Um, so. I'll tell you, in 1999, he decided to take a flight from New Jersey to uh, Martha's Vineyard. He was going to go to a, a wedding um, of one of his relatives, and he was taking his wife and his sister-in-law. Um, many of you might not know, he was a rather inexperienced pilot. Um, he had his own personal plane. Um, I have no interest in that myself, but um, he had his own pr- own plane and, and declined an offer from His uh, instructor to accompany him. Um, He said, "No, I want to do it alone." And maybe it was pride, or maybe it was uh, a number of different reasons. But he jumped in the plane with his two passengers, and they took off um, and started uh, started started flying towards Martha's Vineyard. Now, what you might not know is, as you begin the descent towards that location, it's he was he was actually coming in in the evening. It was hazy. It was dark. It was over water, a stretch of water. Um, and so when they never showed up, relatives started to make calls. They started to investigate what happened. Was there a delay? Did they stop over somewhere? So they spent days searching, found nothing. Um, and then all of a sudden, I think they, they started to turn the search to more of a recovery of the wreckage and the bodies, knowing that if, if they hadn't found them in, a, in two or three days, they probably hadn't make, made it. So, seven days later, they found the wreckage under about 116 feet of water, just eight miles from the location. And they investigated, as you can imagine, with such an important family. Was it, you know, sabotage? What was was going on? Was it mechanical failures? They actually found from the records that there were no mechanical or navigational systems, no sabotage, nothing like that. They actually... um, concluded that it was caused by an inexperienced pilot who was disoriented by his environment in his descent. And they actually found radar photos of the plane dropping from like 2,200 feet to 1,100 feet in 14 seconds. Um, and then the, the plane dropped off the radar, and that was about the time of the crash. I say that specifically because what it's called, that what he was experiencing is called spatial disorientation. I'm not a pilot, but what it means is your body's telling you one thing and your instruments are telling you another thing. There's stories upon stories of pilots that end up in clouds and they they swear that they're right side up and they get out of the clouds and they're actually upside down. Um, it's It's a disorienting feeling. So essentially, though, what every pilot, experienced pilot, is taught is to trust and rely on instruments only. So there's a certification where you can, um, at a certain point in your training, rely on instruments only. So you, you don't go by the feeling. But the problem most inexperienced pilots face, and I like part of this story, it says, unfortunately, pilots are like most human beings. They're inclined to trust themselves first over their instruments. And that was the tragedy of JFK Jr. Now, how this applies to something like Romans 13, let's pray and then, and then we'll, we'll, we'll get started. Lord God, thank you so much for all that you do for us. We just know that you are in sovereign control over every circumstance, over every person, over every nation. And in a time like now, more than ever, we pray for your divine providence that you would perform miracles in Afghanistan, that you would protect those who are at risk, that you would bring stability, that you would give wisdom, that you would give perseverance, and that you would give comfort, Lord, to those that are in great risk and in danger and, and in all the situations that are going on right now across our globe. But we trust you, Lord, We know that you have divinely inspired uh, your people in these different nations. And we know that we can pray and that our prayers change things. And we ask that you would quicken every believer in this room, that you would open our minds and our hearts as we study about human government and the the believer's position in human government and what you would have us do. Just ask for your protection in this, I pray, amen. Okay, so why I told that story, the real reason I think is because when I was preparing and I'm thinking about government and having to talk about human government, um, authority, the believer, you know, it really is a challenging time to think about that in this country. And then, you know, in the news uh, this, this week, you think about everything that's going on in Afghanistan and really, you know, are we any stranger now to all the disorientation and the and the trouble and the, the chaos that's going on uh, politically, socially? Um, I think every time we feel like, this is enough, we wake up and there's another thing on the headlines. So, the reason I told that story is because it, it really speaks to me about the believer's promise. We don't have to be. Spiritually or spatially disoriented in this world, and that's what's happening, I think, to most people. You spend too much time on the web, or you're looking at blogs and news, and it's great to keep in the loop and know what's going on, so we can pray. But we lose sight. We start to think, and you know, and the, the society is telling us that we're 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 right side up. You're fine. You're right side up, and we're actually upside down. And it's because we're relying on our emotions, right? Our fears. Or um, you're relying on opinions of others. And and people are neglecting the instrument, the only instrument, which is the Word of God. So I'd say all that to to orient ourselves to say that you have available to you the answer to all these questions. We have the instrument that's going to keep us focused, flying straight. And it's the Word of God and the Holy Spirit working inside of every believer. So, you know, when you think about the topic of human government and authority, which we're going to tackle in this week and next, you know, personally up until recently, you know, I think we've all been very critical of what's going on in our country and for good reason. But, you know, as I'm explaining to my kids yesterday and the day before, what's going on in Afghanistan and the the significance of it. And it's dredging up all these memories, right? We're coming up on the 20-year anniversary of 9-11 and and all the chaos that's happened since then. Um, You know, it makes me really thankful, to be honest with you, that the things we're dealing with are not life and death, um, that we do have a lot of freedoms yet. And, And I'm glad to say that, we have a, a, a government at this point where we can operate freely like we're doing right now. Um, you know, and so it just reminds me, um, and when you see the chaos, when there's terrorist groups, you know, invading and, and, and influencing countries, you you really start to appreciate government um, even though it can be corrupt at times. So why this topic, topic is important today? is the same as all throughout church history. You think back, you know, and, and really, you know, people have struggled with this. We could talk about the revolution, um, you know, the, the civil war, different situations of when to obey government and disobey. We're gonna ignore those for now. We're just gonna talk about what it means to us today. But the question has, has increasingly become more difficult for us. We we never really had to deal with this when I when I was growing up. It wasn't really this tough to live in a country, uh, you know, like the America, the uh, United States. But now, with morality kind of taking a, a turn, um, you know, continued pressure on um, the lives of innocent um, human beings, and you think about situations where certain freedoms that we've long held and, and appreciated starting to become at risk while what I would call some certain unbiblical freedoms being granted and championed. And it really puts you in a state of con- concern and confusion. And you know, if you're not waking up thinking, what what do we do as believers? I think that's the question, what do we do? Because a lot of people are crossing the line too far. Some people are responding with apathy, just trying to bury their head and hope that everything goes away. So there's really a lot of conflicting um, responses that people have right now. So let's turn first to our main piece of scripture that we're going to be covering. It's Romans 13, 1 through 2. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. So this is a, a section of Scripture I never really had much trouble with, and, um, you know, when you look at it on, on the surface, just obey. Just obey. And that's that's it. Let's just, you know, we'll pack it in for the day, and that's and that's pretty much what it says. But really to think about our relationship to the government and why Paul. Many many scholars actually wonder if this was a later addition to Romans. It, it, for those that don't trust the inerrancy of, of God's word and and the preservation of it, they'll say, well, maybe this was added by some someone to just you know kind of help Christianity look more peaceful, so that it wouldn't wouldn't be persecuted. That's obviously not the answer. Paul has a really good reason for going from from twelve, where he talks about. Practical uh, Christian responsibilities, practical Christian daily living. And so he knew his audience and he knew that they were living in the capital of the world, Rome. And at that time, even more than you can imagine, especially in this country, when you became a Christian, that immediately puts you at odds with everybody and everything, okay? Every relationship changed, your relationship to the government changed. And so, let's talk through a little bit about what he was going to, you know, what he was unpacking for them in 12 and 13 was really that the Christian life is all-encompassing, it's a total commitment, and it's the the difficult decision to do the hard thing. So, in in verses um, 12, 1 through 2, he begins that piece with, first off, what what do we exist as Christians to be? Well, we're living sacrifices, right? We're supposed to, not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by God's renewing word, right? And what does that help us do? It helps us know and do God's will. And from there, he goes on to um, verses 3 through 11, and he talks about the relationship of believers, right? Like everyone in this room, we, we come from a different background. I'm from the north, you're from the south. You know, I've been here for three years, some for 30 um, you know, we're, we're all from a diverse background, different. I'm sure we all vote differently and, uh, you know, do th- different things for for social and entertainment. So there's a lot uh, we need to do to remain humble, um, to have unity, to have a sincere love. I do sincerely love all fellow believers, even those that don't think like me, right? And that's a hard thing. And that's what he knew they struggle with so he he um, emphasized that and then last week we saw on 14 through 21 he talks about the relationship of a believer with everyone else the unbeliever the enemy those who persecute you those who do evil and the calling we have is such a strange one isn't it it's so strange it this is the testimony of christians true christians throughout history it's to bless those who persecute you return evil with good right to know that god is in control that he's sovereign that vengeance will be his one day and to unconditionally love and forgive it's a hard it's a hard thing to to do with fellow believers it's a hard thing to do in my household every day but it's a really hard thing to do with those who are in your face or your enemies or those who are evil to you straight and forward. So the question I think a lot of people will have is what context was Paul talking about for the people in Rome? What, what did it look like? Well, I put up a couple slides here. And what we'll see is in Rome, you know, it wasn't that much different and yet In some ways it was, but there was the Caesar, right? The ultimate authority. Um, Now, the difference is that the Caesar had absolute supreme authority, absolute control. What he said goes, um, the the Caesar at the time was Nero, when Paul was writing. It was in the beginning of Nero's um, reign, so he hadn't quite gone full-scale persecution on Christians. But we all know that he had quite a reputation eventually. So the, the, the uh, political situation was, was tough, as, as you can imagine. Think about the story of when Jesus was born. Anybody remember that story? There was a man named Herod, right, in Palestine. He was the ultimate ruler there. And, and what did he do when he was afraid that the king of the Jews was going to be born? He declared that all children, all male children under the age of two, be murdered. So absolute authority, a little bit different. I mean, I think sometimes we feel like we're under absolute authority, but this is a a much more difficult situation. Slavery was rampant. I think it was roughly 35 to 40% of the population were slaves. So very limited rights. They were property of their owners. There was a lot of um, just general debauchery and idol worship, conflict, um, and then taxes, I think near and dear to all of our hearts. I think we work until, what is it, mid-July, until you start receiving your own money. Um, We pay so many taxes normally in in the United States. However, does anyone know the story of Zacchaeus? Anybody know the song of Zacchaeus? Let's sing it. Um, No, no. Um, So Zacchaeus, the wee little man, um, was an exorbitant tax collector who extorted people, um, and that was the way the Roman government allowed things to operate. So the tax collectors would go out and they would have an amount they'd have to give you know to the government but they would they would charge huge absorbent fees above that it was like the mob today you know you had to pay them off um, and we know the story like that now th- their citizens they sent their money away half of it to an extortionist and half of it to a dictator government and um, they had no vote they had no say they didn't have any vote on what the money would be used for. So Paul is telling them what? I mean, in this, it, it sounds kind of simple, and, and we'll repeat it in just a little bit, but he's, he's essentially telling them that their role as Christians, and we'll get into why, but their role as Christians is to obey, um, to submit to authority. He, he doesn't tell them to go on their instincts and their feelings, to confront, to revolt. And the reason why, I mean, I think many people like, and I agree, there's a very clear gospel message in Romans, but that's only the beginning. Okay, so as you build in Romans, you're talking about our sanctification, or salvation, or justification. And essentially what he's getting at when he gets into 12 and 13 is he's saying, for all this reason, and and that's why in the beginning of 12 he says, therefore, so for everything I've said up until this point, God's salvation story, your justification, there's no condemnation, all of this. Why? Therefore, be like Jesus. Live the higher calling. Do good to those who persecute you. Be in subjection. Be at peace with all men. So we have a higher calling, even when it it doesn't feel right. We have to listen. And and we also want to think about how did Jesus enter into this world? I, I always, I mean... You know, he was Jesus. So we always do have to kind of separate. He was God in flesh, divinely perfect, the only man that never sinned, the only lamb worthy. But his example is one that he set for all of his disciples. And so he exemplified a peaceful life. He respected authority. He clarified what we should focus on. He sent out his disciples to do what? What did he send his disciples for, uh, to do in Matthew 28? Anybody remember that? He sent us to make disciples of all nations, being obedient to everything he said and baptizing them. Because he brought in a new kingdom, the kingdom that we, hopefully, everyone in this room is a part of. And if you're not, you know, please talk to me because this is the kingdom that really matters. Because we can see all kingdoms will go away. All kingdoms from beginning of time until the end. All kingdoms will pass. Only God's kingdom will will remain firm. So this is kind of the backdrop for getting into why Paul would say what, what he said. Again, I'm going to repeat it. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. And they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. Now, the first thing I learned when beginning to preach is people do not want to hear what the Greek word is for certain things. But I'm not going to give you Greek words. But I will just highlight when he says every person, he means every person. And when he says every governing authority, he means every governing authority. And and so he didn't clarify that, every good governing authority, every democratic governing authority, every monarchy. No, he just really said any authority. And, and the words he was using is really, when he talks about be in subjection, it's a word that's used to um, qualify how soldiers are to submit to authority. It's the same word. That's a tough one then, because I think, you know, we look across the world, there are not very many good governments. There hasn't been maybe any government that was truly good without any corruption, but he doesn't qualify that. It's an all-encompassing command, even the corrupt ones. But why? And he says that they've all been established by God, and I think you know, when we think about those challenging questions as Christians or those that keep people from salvation are, well, why would a good God fill in the blank? Or why do bad things happen? Why is everything happening in Afghanistan? Why did so-and-so, right? But even though we don't know, we can at least see the story of all humanity from the beginning of history. The real answer why is because we have all sinned. Go back to the beginning. God didn't create the world for that purpose, right? He he is a good and loving God. And even though we don't understand how he weaves difficult things into his good plan, all you have to do is for the ultimate answer to why is evil in this world and why are there corrupt governments, you look back at Genesis 1. And you see the story of the fall of mankind and the inherited sin that we have in all of humanity. But, but, God always had a plan that didn't surprise him. He had a plan of salvation. To send his very own son. Right? And we we talked a little bit about God's mission. To send his son to save us. But when we think about... The Old Testament, it's such a, I've just done a a course in Old Testament survey, and what an amazing eye-opening experience when you really see every book in its context, and you go through, and really, you look at Genesis and Exodus, what happens in there. You see God using an evil nation like Egypt to save his people from a famine, all until the time he decided to lead them to the promised land. Joshua shows us, um, I always think Joshua would be a, a good you know, movie, like a Hollywood movie. I Maybe mean, There's so much battle and, and um, conflict, um, wars. But you see Joshua, in Joshua you see God using his almost obedient people, his intermittently obedient nation of Israel to bring um, judgment on the land of Canaan. Right, the wicked people in Canaan, Chronicles and Kings and Samuel. You see stories about the monarchies and and unfortunately, you know the the uh, ten to one ratio of bad to good kings in Israel throughout that history. And God, that was all a part of God's plan. He he even in the worst of times called them to repent. Right, not to not to rebel against those governments, but to repent. You even see David. Even having been told he would become the king, refusing to kill Saul, who was God's uh, man on the throne at the time. And eventually you see God, and, and what an amazing thing when you walk through the, the prophets and you see Habakkuk crying out to God, Why are you bringing Babylon to inflict judgment on your nation? They're worse than us, you know. And nation after nation after nation, the book of Daniel shows you what goes on behind the scenes and where God is in control even over the spiritual forces that are influencing all the nations. So that's really the backdrop. And even though we can, um, you know, nostalgically look back and think, when's America going to be a Christian nation again? If if you really think of that question, we were a much more moral and Christian-friendly society, but we were never a Christian country. That's that's really only going to happen during the theocracy of Christ in the millennial kingdom. We're not ever going to see a true Christian nation. And really, all this is just to point us back to the fact that we first have to understand who we are and and, and where our true unity is and and where our true um, citizenship is. So why I think this is a little bit more complex today for us is I, I think in a certain sense, you know, conditions were tougher in Rome, but are they maybe tougher today? And and here in America, because I think people say, I've heard stories of of persecuted Christians in other countries saying that they they, they feel sorry for Christians in America because of all that we have. It lulls us into complacency. We go with the flow. Similarly, when you look at, you know, a story like, What's going on in Afghanistan? They're really focused on what really matters. They're really focused on standing up for their faith, and they and you know all those extra things kind of fall to the wayside. You know, I grew up. You always were told the customer's always right. I worked in customer service. We're told you have a voice, your opinion counts, and I and don't don't hear me wrong because as Christians. In a country with this many freedoms, we must do good to those around us. We must point people to the truth. But I want to caution people to be careful at pointing truth and making sure the truth always goes back to the Bible and always focuses on the gospel and always focuses on our main instrument, not the the non-essentials or the periphery. Now, in a room this size, you have a lot of rule followers you're like, okay, I'm, I'm good with that. Like, that makes sense to me. But of course, then they're my friends, the, the rule breakers. And you say, but wait a minute. The people that raise their hand and go, what about the exception? What about the exception? Yes, there is an exception. And yes, there is a rule. So we're both right. It's okay. We can live in, in harmony and unity. There are two exceptions. And I'm going to briefly talk about them and put them in your pocket because next week, You rebels are going to hear the message of when we must disobey. And we can mount up. Anyway. But the two reasons are when the government tells you to do something that the Bible or God tells you not to do. I have so far in my life never been in that situation. The other one is when the authorities or the government tells you not to do something that you must do. And those are two circumstances. There are many of our brothers and sisters in Christ over in Afghanistan facing those two questions right now. And let's pray for the power of the Holy Spirit and unity of believers over there and protection that they will persevere and stick to the course and look to our savior in these tough times. But for those of us here right now, it's like in management, I always used to tell my people like, Let's, let's follow the rules, and we'll manage to the exceptions. So let's put the exceptions aside and just think about, just in general, how we're to act. Um, because I'm going to get really practical here. We want to keep from jumping to biblical issues that are not biblical issues, or, or maybe flipping the switch a little too quickly. Now, just in case you're like some, you might want to say, well, every scripture has its context, and I'm sure Rome. Romans 13 was specifically for Roman, the Roman um, believers, and that one really doesn't apply to me. Well, let's 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 challenge that. The first cross reference I want to look at, and I and I perused the New Testament. Um, there's many many good tools to look at the cross references that that are helpful um, as we as we tackle subjects. And one, let's first start about and, and talk about the Apostle Peter. He wrote to a group of believers in um, Asia Minor. And this was several years after the book of Romans. And so Nero's persecution was ramping up. And if you know anything about the uh, letter of 1 Peter, he's writing to a number of believers who are facing severe persecution, trials and troubles. And he first starts talking about the fact that they are foreigners and exiles in the land. And what he specifically tells them to do, he says, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the things in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. So he's he's saying, in, in the setup here to this, this next verse I'm going to look at, he's saying, keep your behavior excellent as a good testimony. And the reason, if you look at um, verses 2, 13 through 15, he says, they can do that by submitting yourself, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. So he's pointing them once again to the purpose of submitting to authority because it points people to God and to Christ. And the next um, cross reference, when we look at 1 Timothy 2 1 through 2, Paul's giving instructions to a young pastor, Timothy, in Ephesians, and he's talking about how the congregation should conduct themselves. He says, First of all, then, I urge you, I urge that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgivings. Be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority. He's telling them, pray for all people. Pray for your, your authority and your, and your governors. He goes on in the next two verses, and I don't have them up on the slide, but he says, why do, you, why do we want you to do that? Well, so that we may live a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So what a formula there. He's saying, one, you can, you'll can you live a quiet and tranquil life. You'll live a peaceful life as God intended you to live with prayer, with submission. And I think sometimes maybe that's why we're not really living in peace right now or or God's Sabbath rest because we are not praying for our leaders properly. We are not properly respecting them at times even if we don't agree with them. Um, You think about prayer, the power of prayer. Everybody wants to say that there's power in prayer but how many of you believe that? How many do you pray like that? Do Do you pray more than you speak about situations? Do you tell God more about what's bothering you than you do others. I mean, look at, the, look at the Bible. There's great examples. I mean, Daniel's prayers changed two nations that he survived through. Two world powers. You got Joseph's prayers. Look throughout the Bible. I mean, I love the story of Habakkuk. His, his entire last chapter is a prayer for change. And, and that is what changes this world. That is what will change this world is prayer. Much more than than words, I would believe. And second, we submit and pray for authority so that people can become saved. This is part of God's plan. When, when we show the integrity of Christianity to the world, how we react, how we repay evil with good, that changes lives. I don't want to tell you how many times people have questioned Christians for their actions. It, it's disturbing that we just jump right in with, with exactly what we see around us, but we're called to a higher calling. And this last slide, uh, or this last verse, Titus 3, 1 through 2, we talk about more reminders about subjection. It's interesting because in this case, Paul's writing to Titus. And if you know Titus, he was overseeing a number of um, pastors in the island of Crete. And so Paul's telling him, remind them to be be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing consideration for all men. It's exactly what he's telling us in Romans. And again, there are the exceptions. And again, there's responsibilities for each one of us in this room that we'll talk about next week with the freedoms we do have. And we have plenty of those. But the important thing, In summarizing summarizing all that we heard, I mean, the highlights, be in subjection, submit yourselves, pray, lead quiet and tranquil lives, be subject to rulers and authority, and be obedient is a pretty clear message. And I wonder how many of you feel like you're personally doing that today. And I I have to admit, I surveyed my life. Anytime you have to preach, you definitely look at yourself in the mirror and go, how am I doing in this category? Well, I can tell you the past two years has shown me when things have, I've made issue of that are my personal preference at times, things that I made a bigger deal about, or just the lack of prayer for our leaders when things are getting challenging. And I know that we have plenty of objections we can handle next week around, and there are good, good reasons, and, and one of them you know, that always comes up is, but what's going on isn't biblical. It's not good. Well, I know, I agree. And I think God very much agrees with that. That doesn't mean he's not in control. And we just have to remember that. We still have to be respectful. We still have to think about how we peacefully exist in this world and promote good um, through, you know, through quiet living, through truth, through the Bible. Always remember your home, right? And now that we think, you know, at the end of every sermon, you, you, I left some room at the bottom and you know, prayerfully reflect on what is God leading you or calling you to stop, start, or continue with regard to authority and your and how you've responded. Um, you know, I think some people, you know, you need to you need to stop some of the posts and defamatory uh, defamatory speech and the comments and you know rebellion because we're a witness to our neighbors, to our community our co-workers to our kids Um, and and authority is very important and submission you know in any institution God ordained is important and um, especially when it comes to government on on the other hand as I mentioned you know when we think about are we diligently praying for change are we diligently praying for our leaders I do think because we have the right and opportunity to write to our congressmen, we should but how do we do that should be respectful, right? And if you can even think of a compliment or two, throw it in there. But I mean, just we need to be somewhat more um, encouraging. And one of the stories that makes me think, and, and this is perfect timing with everything that's going on in Afghanistan, but some of you might know the story of Georgie Vins. He was a pastor in Soviet um In the Soviet Union and under communism, he suffered along with many other Christians for his faith for many, many years, mistreatments. Um, And the interesting thing, though, is that he said, and I quote, he said, pastors and other Christians determined to obey every law, just or unjust, with the exception of laws that would force them to cease worship or to disobey God's word. And following Peter's admonition, they willingly suffered for doing what is right and not for doing what is wrong. They would not suffer as an evildoer or a troublesome meddler, but they would gladly suffer as a Christian. And, and just this morning, um, I received a letter, a confidential letter through our, our Christian fellowship of churches that we're a part of, of, of an individual who had... Um, Spoken at one of the Grace Brethren churches down in in uh, southern Maryland, and it, it's it's a horrible story of, of ten years of torture and 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 um, just what he's been facing over there. Can't get out of the country, and even as things um, you know ramp up right now, he he said the same thing. I mean, they they obey every law except for that which conflicts with their faith, and that's and that's a. Tall, tall order. Now, before I pray, I, I'm going to call up the worship team, and I just want to let you know we're going to have a prayer team up during this last song. And you know, we we have people there to pray for any personal requests, but today especially, I think it would be uh, really fitting. Can you please join our prayer team, those of you that wish to, to join prayer over Afghanistan, over our country over what's going on. I I do believe the power of, of the prayer of believers will change things. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Lord God, we humbly submit before you. You are the true and only God, sovereign over all. Our total submission comes to you. And we know that because you have ordained government, to exist for civility and for the general promotion of peace. We just thank you for that gift. We just thank you for the opportunity we have as citizens of a country that is still uh, much, much more favorable than, than many others. And we know that there's challenges coming and we know that we've faced them already. But we just ask for your Holy Spirit to lead us, Lord, and, and guide us Give us strength as a community of believers. Give us the opportunity to to band together and pray for those who really need support right now, really need your comfort, your strength. Lord, we don't even know the half of what's going on. There's so much news and, and noise about us. Just ask that you quiet our hearts. We would humbly submit to you most and first of all. And that we would not ever take our eyes off of our instrument. That we would focus on the word. Continue to have a biblical world view of what's going on around us. To never lose sight of the fact that we are just strangers and aliens here in this world. With the one purpose of bringing glory to you. And to bring others into the salvation that's offered through Jesus Christ our Lord. Just pray over our congregation. We just thank you so much, Lord, for this freedom, this opportunity for the the progress that you've made here. May we never take it for granted, never slumbering or sleeping or apathetic to what's going on around us. Just give us a heart for those around us and continue to use your word in our lives.